You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's a power hour of solo Spain here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz did about, I don't know, four or five other shows today. Who can keep count? He's out tonight here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Just a power hour because we got some NBA basketball for you tonight. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. That includes Jay Billis, going to take us through the brave new world of name, image, and likeness on day one of a massive change for college sports. And also, we're going to talk to Mark Spears about all things NBA playoffs. You just heard it in the update there. No Trey Young tonight. No Giannis tonight. The hits keep coming for the NBA when it comes to playoff injury. We're going to get to all that in tonight's show in just an hour. Also, I've got to unload a bit on the Washington football team ruling and what's going down with Trevor Bauer. But first, it's time for some straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that is, of course, what went down last night. Staples Center, a good place for this Suns team. Closing out their second series of this postseason. Took out the Lakers there. Now they take out the Clippers there. And what can really be said about this turnaround for the Suns? Funny, we we talked about on the hockey side, Montreal Canadiens waiting 28 years to get back to the finals. Same number for the Suns. And both teams putting up incredible Numbers, interesting statistics, great storylines in the time since they uh, last were on top of it. The Suns, not only that incredible drought from that 93 finals that they were in, but they haven't even made the playoffs in over a decade. This team had not finished above 500 since 2014. And I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat this. When Chris Paul got acquired in a trade, I didn't think that was going to be enough. I kind of thought it was a disappointment for him to go to a team that wasn't quite ready, despite knowing that they have this young talent and they have a lot uh, to build on. I I just didn't think the windows were were coming together at the right time. And boy, was I wrong, because for the umpteenth time in his career, Chris Paul has arrived to a team and instantly made them better. They didn't just make the playoffs for the first time in a decade. They are the Western Conference champions. And they didn't just sneak past the Clippers. Chris Paul put them to bed. The performance was incredible. There were a couple flops in there, possibly uh, nearing a triple-double if you count flops. But I'm okay with that. He sells it sometimes. He's passionate. He's genuine. And after the game, you could hear it in his interview with Rachel Nichols, Nichols on the floor just how much this meant to him. Chris Paul is in the NBA Finals. What do you think when you hear that sentence? Man, it sounds damn good. Damn good. It's been a lot of work, man. A lot of work going to a new team. Everybody staying the course. That team fight hard. T. Lou, unbelievable coach. Chauncey Billups, my big brother. So many ties to that team. But damn, this feels good. Chris, in this game, there was a point the Clippers cut it to seven. You then scored 14 of 16 points on your way to 41 for the game. What kind of mission were you on? Don't lose. Don't lose mission. You know what I'm saying? Damn, that feel good. I wish my son and my family come down here. I don't know, man. It's just a lot of emotions, a lot of injuries. I was getting an MRI yesterday on my wrist. A lot of shit going on. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I just want to get over there with my team, Rach. Respect. Appreciate you. Like, he didn't even want to finish the interview. He was like, I'm already swearing. I can't keep it under control. I'm out. 31 points in the second half. 41 total. Zero turnovers. Zero turnovers and 41 points. He made seven three-pointers. He had eight assists. Uh, Devin Booker, 22 points, 10 to 26 shooting. DeAndre Ayton, 16 points, 17 boards. It was a team effort clinching the series. 
And boy, you could tell it felt good. There were a lot of emotions in that game. Ooh, boy. Pat Bev deciding on Twitter today that he was going to be a bigger man and apologize. A little late, but better than nothing for that shove at the end of the game. And that was clearly a guy that was like, you know what? I don't want to be on the court when when the whistle blows and the game is over. I'm going to take myself out with this. But just incredible stuff from Chris Paul last night. An incredible legacy-changing game. I heard Max this morning talking about it on first take. And it's true. Listen, your team blows a lead. You won two games while you were out in COVID protocol. You come back and then they start losing. What does that do to a guy who's already been plagued by so much conversation about not making it to the finals, not being the guy? What does that mean for who Chris Paul is to people when his career is over? And instead, you put up 41 and no turnovers in a series clinching game and you take your team to the finals, a team that hasn't been anywhere near for a decade. It's incredible. And Devin Booker, young superstar of this team that clearly understands how this team flipped a switch when Chris Paul arrived, had a lot to say about Chris Paul's legacy after the game. Chris Paul is stamped regardless. You know, anything else from here is is extra. It's extra just to solidify. And, um, you know, I, I know I know he wants it bad. I know he's happy about this for his first time, but, you know, I know what he's on the pursuit of. And, you know, we have that same understanding. We don't talk about it much, but we know what we're trying to get to. But as far as he needs a ring to be considered, the, he's one of the best point guards ever played the game. And, that, and that's a fact. And everybody knows that arguably the best. You know, he, he's put the work in for many years, 16 years. I'm 24. At, what is that, eight, eight years old since he's been in? So all I know is Chris Ball. Growing up, I remember I told him I used to go to New Orleans games when I lived in, in Mississippi and just seeing him play there. So, you know, it's been a long time coming. I've wore the man's shoes in high school throughout my whole high school career. So CP3 stamped in this game forever. That's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Devin Booker knows it. And on the other side, listen, it's easy to undermine anything that any team in this postseason accomplishes because of the of the just unbelievable injury toll. But I'm not taking anything away from the Suns. I am acknowledging that Paul George is right in saying that this would be a different series if Kawhi Leonard hadn't sprained his knee. We'd be going on said Paul George. This series would be a lot different. Talk about one of the best players in the league being out, yet we were inches away from getting to the next round. I mean, it's not guaranteed. You both were healthy last year, and that didn't work out, right? I'm not taking anything away from the Suns here. I am acknowledging the reality that the Clippers are a different team when Kawhi Leonard isn't playing, and that goes for every team in this postseason that has lost their superstar, which is almost every single one. In fact, the Suns and the Bucks, until Giannis missing tonight's game and most of last game, Those two teams were the least affected by superstar injuries, and here they are. One is in the finals, one is trying to get there. Uh, We can't ignore that that's going to be a storyline about this NBA playoffs, but I'm not taking anything away from the Suns. It's Sarah Spain, Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And I'm excited for Suns fans, too, because I've heard a lot of people complain about the superstars not being around. This playoffs isn't going to get good ratings because it doesn't have Lakers and Nets and whatever. Nah. I'm I'm cool with what we're seeing. The Suns fans are excited. The building going crazy for every home game. I was texting with my guy Chuck last night. He's super happy to see the Suns back in the finals. So I'm here for it. And I, I suggest you all get on board. If you're still crying about LeBron not being around, if you're sad about the Nets being out, why don't you take a look at the teams that are still playing? It's been a lot of fun. And you're missing out if you're if you're 
whining about your boy LeBron. NBA Eastern Conference Finals are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight for Game 5 as the Bucks host the Hawks, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. That game is why we are just a power hour here of Solo Spain. Coming up next, going to talk a little bit about the slate of, uh, of NBA games, both last night and tonight with Mark Spears. It's next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, no Fitz tonight, just a Spain power hour taking you into game five of Bucks Hawks. No Giannis, no Trey. What to expect? We'll find out from our next guest. It's ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. By the way, you can get all the stuff you might miss on Apple, ESPN app, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, joining me now on the Goodyear Hotline, senior NBA writer and writer for the Undefeated, Mark Spears. Thanks for the time, Mark. How you doing? I'm all right, man. I mean, I'm bummed about all these injuries. We'll get to tonight's game without the two biggest stars, but I want to talk about a star who did show up, not just physically on the court, but in in terms of performance. You have a great story up on The Undefeated about Chris Paul and his brother never giving up on getting to the finals. You know, when you become sort of the punchline and everybody knows the narrative around you, and you can break through that and do it with 41 points and zero turnovers. Just talk to me about the Chris Paul that was after last night's game celebrating. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. I remember first getting to know Chris Paul when he was a rookie playing for the Hornets in Oklahoma City. And my guy, Kerry Mitchell, uh, was sizing me for a suit. And Chris and CJ came by to get, get something done as well. And that's when I first saw their relationship and this journey that they were going on to together. And it was interesting that World Wide West was actually the one that told CJ that he should just manage Chris hmm. uh, instead of going into college coaching as he had dreamed of. And so it's been 16 years of heartbreak, 16 years of injuries, coach with no cigar, and to finally be in this position I mean, like, Chris was like, look, I ain't messing around, man. (laughs) We lost one closeout game. I ain't doing this again. And that's about as aggressive as I've seen him in a long time. That's not really his game. But I think he played that way because he was like, if we're going to, like, if we're going to, if I'm going to go out swinging, I'm going to go out swinging. I'm going to get us there. I'm not going to wait for these young cats to do it. And he finally did it. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who has the bona fides in nearly every other way. 11-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA, you know, former Rookie of the Year. And and not just that, but president of the NBPA, right? Such a big, huge part yeah. of this game and what it's looked like for the last couple decades. And he finally makes it to the finals. And, Mark, what you see in that game? Because I'll say that there were some frustrating moments from the Suns team. There were a couple real duds where Aiton disappeared the game before this. Guys couldn't hit the broadside of a barn for a bit. Does this look like a stronger team, like an earlier in the postseason team in this final game that gives you confidence heading into the finals? Well, yes, I, I do think they look like finally like a stronger team like I expected them to be. But keep in mind, like, how much rest are they about to get? Mm-hmm. So, if if say what game six would would be what when's game six Saturday? Yeah, probably Saturday. Right. So so if the game if, if the East goes six games, first game on finals Tuesday in um in Phoenix. That's not a lot of rest. And then if it goes seven, which what that would be Monday. It's Thursday in Phoenix. Either way, like Phoenix is going to be rested and in good shape at home 
eating DeAndre Ayton's mom's uh, Caribbean <laughs> food, you know, oxtails and rice and peas. And and so I, I, regardless to what happens on the east side right now, you know, who knows when Giannis is going to play or I assume Trey Young will be back before the series is over, but I don't expect Giannis to. I still, either way, I, I think Phoenix is the best team and will eventually get their first championship. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain with you solo tonight on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Mark, let's talk about that other series. You know, this is, uh, we had talked about how basically the Suns and Bucks were the least affected by superstar injuries up until the point that they lost Giannis. And we don't know when he'll be back. No structural damage, but that hyperextended left knee is taking him out of tonight's game. Trey was getting up shots earlier tonight, and it looked like we thought he might go, but he's out as well. If you take out those two stars, do you give one or the other team a, a big a big benefit? I mean, you can't ignore what happened the other night with the Trayless Hawks. They were beating the Bucks by a lot even before the Giannis injury. Yeah. I, I think Atlanta's in the advantage because um, you have guys that could, you know, patch together a Trey game. I mean, Lou Williams has been doing that, right? So you start Lou Williams, McDonovich to score, Herder's to score, whereas on the other side, there's nothing that can mimic what Giannis does. I mean, he's, <laughs> there's no one in the league that can mimic what Giannis, what Giannis does. So I think it certainly makes it a lot tougher um, for Middleton and for Drew because now defenses could basically, you know, plan on, on, on shutting them down. And um, so I I do like I mean Sarah Suns Hawks final it's, <laughs> it's possible like it's just you sound into it you sound you are you you I, you pulling for the Hawks no I'm just but it's it's not out of the realm of possibility it could happen for real but it was yeah. funny because I was just looking at the the uh, when the playoffs started. Hawks weren't even the higher seed in the first round. Mm-hmm. The Knicks were. <laughs> yeah, it's been a wild it's just run. It's incredible that they're here, right? And yeah, and and absolutely, um, coaching is such a massive part of that because that is a team that that starts the game, finishes the way that Nate has been able to get these guys, um, you know, to close out games, to come out strong has been really remarkable. And on the other side, there's always question marks about Coach Bud, right? If you don't have those major injuries yeah. in the Nets series, I don't know that the Bucks are here, so you don't necessarily yeah. give the credit that you might for advancing to the East Finals to a head coach, especially when you're looking for adjustments and you're not always seeing them. One of the biggest things, and, and you know, Coach Coach Bud can't shoot for these guys, but the inconsistency. You know, Middleton had those 20 points in Game 3, but he's been 0 for 16 from three-point range in the two losses during this series. You've seen Holiday shoot really well in the first two games and go 8-28 over the last two. How much of that is just whatever those guys are bringing to the game and how much do you think it's the system? Wow, that's a, that's a really, really good question. Um, it's probably too tough to answer. Um, I think only the guys little... in that locker room really know. I mean, obviously Bud's been beaten up for – struggling with adjustments. Uh, I, I think they're always in a better place when Giannis is in the post and not on the perimeter. Um, but on the flip side, I think Nate McMillan, I'm glad you said that. He's been doing an amazing job. He's always been an amazing coach. 
a lot of people don't know that Nate McMillan's like, I believe, 21st or 22nd all-time in, all in wins. Like, now the Pacers look like they're fools for letting them go. Um, it's not a done deal with the Hawks yet, though. Like, I think the assumption is that there's a deal waiting for them and it's done. It's not done. Like, so I'm partly curious if some of these other jobs haven't opened up because they're watching what's going on with the Hawks. I, I know that Trey Young is going to walk into that office if he hasn't done it already and, and tell management and ownership that he wants John Collins re-signed and he wants Nate back. But Nate, Nate's situation is far from done. But that being said, I think Nate has, been, has done a masterful job and that hasn't been talked about enough. Mark Spears, senior NBA writer and writer for The Undefeated with us here on Spain & Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Uh, we're running out of time here, but I'm kind of curious what you make of this postseason as a whole. We, we can't ignore the reality of the superstar injuries. Does that give teams <laughs> asterisks for you? Does it lessen the uh, you know effort of getting there? Or is it, listen, every single year, every, everything has to go right for a couple teams, and this year it's just a little bit yeah. more pronounced than others? Uh, the latter, what you just said. I mean, because I, I know what LeBron James said, but there are only four teams that, you know, we're really that far out at a shortened time. There are a lot of teams that didn't make it into September. A lot of teams that got rest. So I, I think more so than anything, a lot of these injuries are freak injuries. Giannis injury, freak injury. Trey stepped on the referee's foot. Um, just some unfortunate things that happened. Chris Paul misses a couple games because of COVID. So uh, I think it's a lot of dumb luck more than anything, uh, more so than the shortened season. Yeah, the shortened season certainly a part of it, but the last couple especially just unfortunate accidents, and that'll happen in the course of a basketball game. Hey, Mark, thanks for the insight. Everybody go check out Mark's story on Chris Paul and his brother. Fantastic stuff on the undefeated. Enjoy the game tonight, Mark. No, thanks for having me on. Mark Spears, senior NBA writer, writer for the undefeated here at ESPN, joining me on Spain and Fitz. Coming up, one of my faves, Jay Billis, going to talk about the wild, wild west that is day one of name, image, and likeness rights in college sports. What are people worried about, and are any of their worries founded? We'll get into it next at Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Just a quick power hour solo Spain tonight, taking you into game five of that Bucks hawks series. No Trey, no Giannis. Get back to that in a little bit, but it is a, a big day in college sports, and I'm going to have a guest on to dismiss some of the concerns that you might still have and get into the good stuff. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Speaking of money, college athletes finally getting it, and ESPN NCAA Hoops Analyst Jay Billis is here to talk about it. Jay, happy brand new, brave new world day for college sports. Yeah, finally, athletes uh, get to compete on the same playing field as everyone else. Uh, as you know, Sarah, uh, college athletes are literally the only people in our society that were limited in what they could earn or accept uh, based upon being a student. So th- this, uh, even though it's not the full boat of full economic rights, it's cer- certainly a, a big step in the right direction. 
Yeah. And, you know, I actually uh, talked to Dan Murphy today for ESPN Daily tomorrow. So we have a, a nice good 45 minutes or so on on so many of the questions around this. And and I love the way you talk about it because it's something that you've been fighting for forever since literally you were a student athlete uh, dabbling while trying to you know maintain some standing while, while competing. Um, knowing how long there's been a fight for this. Is it a little surprising to you how much gray area remains and how not ready a lot of places feel for this to have started today? Not really, simply because uh, it's been so long in coming. And I don't think the NCAA, frankly, felt like they were going to get uh, get their rear end handed to them in the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think having it open up like this, I mean, the Supreme Court didn't just, um, you know, give the NCAA a loss. It signaled that all of the NCAA's policies with regard to uh, to athletes and compensation were uh, suspect and would be under attack and they wouldn't receive the same sort of deference from the courts that they had in the past. So really the NCAA's decision to appeal the Ninth Circuit decision in Alston uh, to the Supreme Court was probably the worst thing they could have done with regard to to trying to, to maintain the status quo and, and keep athletes restricted. But now that the court spoke and indicated that all of the NCAA's policies are, are up for grabs now, uh, I think they see the writing on the wall. So really what the NCAA is going to do now, they, they've said, as you know, uh, uh, that all, all, all schools can, uh, can uh, you know, allow NIL uh, subject to their state laws. And if there are no state laws on the books for NIL, then they can fashion their own policies. It's, it's an inter- they're calling it an interim policy because the NCAA now is on both knees begging Congress to bail them out of this and say, please, please. Um, look, you can give them there, you keep the NIL stuff, but don't, don't make us, uh, or don't allow them to be employees ever, because if they are, then we'll have to pay them like everyone else. And, uh, and we'll have to treat them like everyone else. And they're looking for Congress as the, the, the last hope here, uh, to give them a sliver of the system that they had before. As you've been mentioning on your social media, Jay Billis here with me on Spain and Fitz, as you've been mentioning, uh, you saw the move quickly for once in the history of the NCAA after delaying almost everything and claiming that they're incapable of of change. uh, When it came to this, they did have to try to quickly drop some guidelines, much more limited guidelines than they had hoped because of the aforementioned Supreme Court ruling. And that sort of does leave this uh, to be a lot of precedent setting change happening in the next days, weeks, months. Right. Um, LSU, I I think I remember seeing said it feels like building an airplane when you're flying. Uh, The schools have to respond, the coaches, the players, the companies, the new companies that are being formed to help athletes deal with this. Um, Do you anticipate any significant problems or issues that haven't at least been thought through so far in the conversations that you've been having and seen by others? I wouldn't say problems, but I think, I think Sarah, this is going to go a lot like it did in 1984. The last time the NCAA was uh, before the Supreme court was ruled a federal antitrust violator, but that was when the schools sued the NCAA because the NCAA wasn't allowing them to be on television when they want to, when they wanted to, or, you know, cut their own television deals. So, when that was deregulated and every conference and every school could decide what sort of television deals they would cut and, uh, and media deals, um, it, it took a while for them to, to kind of figure out the business the way it would, uh, would operate going forward. So maybe the first couple of years 
there were there might have been some hiccups or they weren't making as much money as they thought or they needed to value things the right way. You know, could that happen here? Of course it could. But, um, uh, you know, to me, the, the issue is deregulation, that, that this would be really simple if the NCAA would just deregulate and they would just, um, you know, eligibility should be only uh, is the athlete a full time student in good standing and the rest of it um, uh, doesn't matter and shouldn't matter. And that's why I, among others, called for the NCAA as a goodwill gesture. They don't have to do it. I get that. But they should reinstate all the, the vacated records that had to do with money, whether it's Reggie Bush, the Fab Five, uh, you know, the UMass women's tennis team, uh, you name it. Uh, now, look, all the academic issues, if someone was academically ineligible and they had records vacated, fine. You know, that, that's the hill that, uh, that the NCAA should be dying on. But in order to establish some credibility that they've lost over the decades, I think it would really serve the NCAA well if they would reinstate Reggie Bush's records, USC's, all that stuff, and uh, and and really signal that you know what we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna fight over money like this when when the players are professional, they have been professional forever, and the NCAA is basically admitting that now. Yeah, and you know, a, a quick aside, you know, a lot of people are gonna say Reggie Bush or someone else doesn't need that, but there are people lower on the bench of those teams that aren't coming back to celebrate their wins, aren't being welcomed back for cool reunions about their victories. And I think those people matter just as much in terms of, you know, righting a wrong in those cases. Jay Billis is with me here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. No Jason Fitz tonight here on ESPN Radio. Um, there's been some really exciting deals already announced, but some of them that I find even more interesting are ones like players who are now able to uh, give music lessons or cooking courses online or coach camps. I think there's a lot of ways that people have really underestimated the limitations that have been put on student athletes. And it's bringing up a lot of um, frustration for people who don't, don't quite get it. Like, well, well, do they have to pay for their school like everyone else? No, it's like a music scholarship. Now you get to do all the things you want and you still get help with your tuition. Um, what is your response to most of the people that seem to be fearing change or maybe even rejecting the idea that these young, extremely talented people who make other people millions should benefit? Yeah, Sarah, most of the pushback that you get or that I get from people is is based upon the idea that, well, now, uh, you know, there's going to be a competitive imbalance that, uh, you know, Clemson <laughs> <Now>. and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But Clemson and Alabama are going to dominate in football and you know, Duke and North Carolina and, and UCLA are going to dominate in basketball, things like that. But the higher, uh, you know, the higher revenue, higher income schools are, are going to dominate. And then we're not going to see Cinderella and upsets and things like that anymore. I don't think, first of all, they, nobody ever worried about that with regard to revenues and, uh, and building of facilities and uh, salaries, things like that, how big they could make their athletic departments. Um, so I don't really worry too much about that. And, and you do have the occasional gotcha thing about, well, I've paid for school. And so does this mean they can be fired now? Or does this mean that, that, uh, that, uh, you know, they shouldn't get scholarships they have to pay their own way type of thing. And Hey, I hope they make enough money to pay their own way. You know, all that nonsense, because we, we, the NCAA has been expert in couching this over the years that mm-hmm. the scholarship was somehow paid to the athlete. But what that ignores is more non-athletes get scholarships than athletes. So uh, to your point, uh, a music student on scholarship, what, are they being paid by the school? Is that compensation for something? And if so, why aren't they restricted in what they can earn or accept if they're receiving that compensation? The answer is uh, none of that is true. 
And if schools, this should all be up to each school. The same way that Alabama and Alabama-Birmingham determine how much they're going to pay their coaches. Alabama says, you know what, we'll pay Saban $9 Alabama-Birmingham says, you know, we're not going to pay that much. That's not who we are. Uh, and they're building the facilities, those decisions, all that. Each each school can decide whether they want to pay athletes and how much. It, it, it's pretty simple. And and if they don't want to compete on the Division One level, uh, it, sort of in the big money sports industry, the door to Division Two and Division Three is wide open to them. So if you want to go back to what Ohio, you know, what Jim Delaney, who's a great friend, and a great person, what what he said a few years ago that hey, if players get paid then the Big Ten may just go into Division Two. That's fine. We'll have Ohio State versus Amherst at the shoe on Saturday. Right. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. And, and you know what? I haven't seen Dabo Sweeney quit his job yet when he said right. the players get paid. Mm-hmm. He's out because there's enough entitlement in the world as if, as if players, the only ones restricted were the entitled ones. You know, mm-hmm. that, that stuff is such nonsense. And well, hopefully it'll go away. But what, sir, I'm sorry, what I'm hopeful of is that while Congress is figuring this out, whether they want to get involved and how much, and the NCAA is trying to figure it out, even though they're way behind, the time that takes, what we'll see is the sun's going to come up every morning, the world will remain on its axis, and the business will be just fine, the games will be played, people will watch, and we'll realize this isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And we got to let you go, but I have to say to the entitlement, you aren't owed to be the best forever, Alabama, because you've been really rich. If some booster for some small school wants to unload all of their money into having the world's best basketball team and compete with, then that's how it works. And it's always just been unfair. So now it just might be unfair in ways that don't benefit you. Suck it up. And, and, and you know, the music people, Justin Bieber, we didn't ask whether he was able to handle all of the millions and riches that he got, you know, but we do that with athletes in a way that I think is really infantilizing and, and doesn't respect them enough. And a lot of those conversations are going to happen over the coming days. And uh, I think a lot of athletes are going to prove those people wrong. And, and like you said, sun's going to come up and athletes will finally just get paid on those days. Uh, thanks for the insight. I'm sure you're going to be busy talking about this for quite a while, and I appreciate you giving us some time. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Always my pleasure. Jay Billis, ESPN NCAA Hoops Analyst. Always listen to him. Go listen to him on ESPN Daily last week, actually. That was a fascinating conversation. He's brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Up next, I'm saying WTF to the NFL's quote-unquote punishment of the WFT. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain tonight, a quick power hour. No Jason Fitz here on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Taking you into game five of Bucks Hawks right here on ESPN Radio. No Giannis, no Trey for that one. I want to touch on that game, but but quickly, a couple things happened today that need to be talked about. And when Fitz is back, we'll talk about them together. But uh, just a couple thoughts on my end. You remember that there's been this lengthy investigation into the Washington football team for a toxic work culture. Uh, A number of different things happened uh, starting years ago with the cheerleading squad and then carrying on with uh, something like 80 plus women, I believe, now talking to a variety of outlets and talking to the NFL for the investigation about the workplace culture there. And the result today, after that lengthy investigation, is no suspensions. For the Washington football team, no loss of draft picks, no official charges, just a league imposed $10 million fine. $10 million sounds like a lot, right? No, not for a, not for a football team, not for an NFL team. So despite finding that they, quote, 
paid little or no attention to these issues. In some instances, senior executives engaged in inappropriate conduct themselves. The result is just a $10 million fine. It's, it's, it, I was going to say it's unbelievable, but it's totally believable. In fact, it's in line with what we've seen from this league. A lot of lip service, a lot of talk, and not a lot of action. We'll, we'll put end racism on the field, but we'll blackball Colin Kaepernick. We'll tell you that we care about women. We'll, we'll, we'll prove to you by having a couple coaches in the league that are women. But when it comes to a longstanding owner and all the money that he brings with him, eh, we don't actually care that much. There are attorneys, Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz, who represented 40 of the former employees of the WTFs, as they called them. And in their statement, they said, in response to a year-long investigation in which more than 100 witnesses were interviewed and which we believe substantiated our clients' allegations of pervasive harassment, misogyny, and abuse at the Washington football team, the NFL has chosen to protect owner Dan Snyder. Ignoring our requests that it make the report prepared by Beth Wilkinson public, the NFL has chosen instead to receive only an oral report of the findings and to fine owner Dan Snyder what amounts to pocket change. This is truly outrageous and is a slap in the face to the hundreds of women and former employees who came forward in good faith and at great personal risk to report a culture of abuse at all levels of the team, including by Snyder himself. The NFL has effectively told survivors in this country and around the world that it doesn't care about them or credit their experiences. Female fans and fans of goodwill everywhere take note. It's not lost on me that this announcement comes the day after Bill Cosby gets released from jail because of a complete screw-up by the legal system, not because he's not guilty and didn't admit so himself, that this comes on the day that we hear in baseball that Dave Roberts says his hands are tied on Trevor Bauer, who's been accused of a violent rape from starting on Sunday, that the MLB is is in charge, and they said to just wait. We continue to err on the side of protecting players in situations like Trevor Bauer. It's always difficult to react to he said, she said before there's an investigation, but every time we treat players like protected persons instead of employees, because at most jobs, if that happened to you, You'd be out for a couple days at the very least while an investigation is undergone. Instead, we trot them back out in a very public place and tell all victims, and as the statement said, fans of goodwill everywhere, that we don't care. Because there's such a tiny percentage of accusations that are proved to be false, and that's of the very tiny percentage of rapes that are even reported. And yet we still always err on the side of the accused. Maybe we need to stop doing that. And I'm not saying... Guilty. I'm saying stop presuming that the women are lying because that's what you do when you trot these men out there for games. It's not a popular opinion. I look forward to my mentions on this. But we've been doing this for the history of time. Women lie. He said, she said, nothing we can do. Despite Trevor Bauer having a very complicated and very toxic past. That is context for this. That doesn't mean he did it. That does mean that we take that context into account when we're putting him back on the mound for a game. And Dan Snyder has a toxic and offensive history. That is context for the decision that you make when you're the NFL and you decide we're going to slap you on the wrist with $10 million. That's nothing in the NFL. Despite finding proof of all of these different elements within this organization that are toxic. At, At what point do we finally actually see the NFL consider the effects that a brutal owner who has done nothing but drive that franchise into the ground in terms of their reputation, does badly by the league. At what point do other owners care about operating in a, in a you know, 
a business with someone like that. And as we've said before, they're probably just worried that no one, that someone's going to come sniffing around their house, right? If they speak up or out against Snyder, then who comes looking to see what's going on in their business? And on and on we go. It's incredibly frustrating and very depressing. And as much as the NFL wants to tell us that it's changing and evolving, decisions like this, especially deciding to get oral findings and not look at the results, to not go as deep of a dive as you can to figure out what's going on somewhere when you have a hundred different people telling you that it's a toxic workplace. It's just disappointing. It's disappointing, but expected. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain solo tonight. Uh, I'm sure there will be more on both of those stories as we try to figure out what the Dodgers and what MLB does with Trevor Bauer. If you have not read the story, the 67 pages, I highly suggest doing that. And I highly suggest staying off social media with toxic opinions about that story. If you haven't read the details, because there are plenty of survivors watching and listening. And when they see you add in the public of court, uh, the court of public opinion, your two cents, your uneducated two cents about the case, you might be, you know, setting off something in them that they, they've been trying to recover from. So keep, really keep that in mind if you decide that you want to weigh in on something that you haven't educated yourself on. We'll keep you updated on both of those stories. And, of course, after tonight, we will keep you updated on what happens in the game. Uh, this is I, – I, I'm not even going to attempt to make a prediction. I will point out that last night, finally, the Clippers didn't let me down by letting themselves down. Finally. Finally, I was right about a Clippers team losing. I always said they were going to win and then they'd lose. And whenever I finally believed uh, that they were out, they started winning again. That's the Clippers for you. I don't know what to tell you about tonight. No Trey, no Giannis. Last game certainly was uh, a good showing for an Atlanta team minus Trey. And I think what Mark Spears said is right. There are a lot of ways for guys to cobble together the kind of thing that Trey does. There is no game-changing presence the likes of Giannis Antetokounmpo in it. Be very sad for that Bucks team if they finally are on the precipice of making it and fi- fulfilling their regular season promises, and this injury is what ends it for them. Uh, but I'm sure it's going to be a hell of a game, and coverage is starting up right here on ESPN Radio. It's Game Five of Bucks Hawks. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at seven Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.